Hey there, I'm Jen, a pediatric registered dietitian who teaches you how to feed your kids and do it right. And I'm Izzy, a student at UNH learning all there is to know about nutrition and dietetics with plans to become a pediatric registered dietitian. On our podcast, Mom, What's for Dinner?, we dig deep into childhood nutrition and teach you not only what to feed your kids, but how to feed them. Join us for conversations about things like eating disorders, RFID, sugar, body image, the gut, and so much more. We release episodes every Tuesday morning. We can't wait for you to listen. We're back with another episode of Mom, What's for Dinner? I'm sick of my intro, so I'm trying to like say something different now. Yeah, we're, testi- we're testing out some new stuff. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what sticks. Yeah. It might change all the time because I like change. When I was a kid, I was the girl who like rearranged my bedroom every week. Oh, really? Because I just like needed it to huh. be different all the time. Yeah. So today we're talking about the clean plate club mm-hmm. and pressure and how it affects kids eating. Mm-hmm. So you have a little fun fact for us about the clean plate club, right? Yeah, I do. I wanted to look into the history of it because I don't know. I'm a, I guess I'm a nerd. I think history is cool, <laughs> especially when it comes to nutrition. But yeah, so when it comes to food, yes, it's just so cool. When it comes to like wars and stuff, I'm all good. Yeah, I know <laughs> that not so much, but food especially, I think is so cool. So I wanted to look into the history of where the Clean Plate Club came into kind of view and why some people choose to follow it. So back in history, when you're looking at like World War One and the Great Depression, there was a very limited amount of food and there were rations and there was just not the full access to food that we have nowadays. So that's where the Clean Plate Club kind of came into effect and it was kind of pushed on the American public that like get your kids and get everyone in your family to clean their plate and like finish all of their food because one, you you didn't necessarily know the next time you're going to have a plate of food in front of you or you know you didn't necessarily have a reliable food source all the time. So that's where kind of the Clean Plate Club came into effect because they didn't want food being wasted and there wasn't always a guarantee of when your next meal was going to be. So the idea was like, fill your kids up as much as you possibly could while there's Mm. food in front of them. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where it comes from Cool. in terms of history. Yeah. I guess I never thought about where it came from. Yeah. Hmm. So were you... A clean plate club member when you were a kid like did your parents want you to finish your plate no I never had to finish my plate when I was little they were kind of just like okay whenever you say you're full you're mm-hmm. full like you don't have to there was never any like forcing to eat anything or when yeah. I was like no I'm done I don't want to eat anymore they're like okay yeah yeah same I don't think I was ever made to finish my plate or even like try something if I didn't want to yeah they would they, like my parents might have encouraged me to try something but I don't have any memories of being forced or anything like that it's so funny when I talk about my eating experiences growing up and like family dinners and all this stuff so many of the things that I recommend now my mom was just doing anyway Mm -hmm. I think just because she's a smart lady and she just like intuitively knew Mm -hmm. how to feed kids so good job mom I know you're listening (laughs) (laughs) you done good yeah so the clean plate situation yeah bottom line 
is we don't recommend it. Yeah. And we'll get into why. Yeah. I think the biggest reason why the Queen Plate Club doesn't sit well with me is because it just goes so against the division of responsibility mm-hmm. in child feeding. Yeah. So if you're new to the podcast or you haven't listened to our episodes where we explain division of responsibility, Izzy, tell us because I always say it and I'm sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the parent decides what is being served and when and the child decides if they're going to eat it and how much they're going to eat. Exactly. So it's the parent's job to put the food on the table at the appropriate time, right? Chicken, rice, and broccoli at dinner time. It's the child's job to decide if they're going to eat the food and how much of the food that they are going to eat. Children do have the ability to self-regulate these things. Mm -hmm. And when you force a child to eat everything on their plate, whether they want it or not, we're crossing that line of the division of responsibility, which says, you know, if the child's in charge of what they eat and how much and the parent is saying you have to finish everything Mm -hmm. well then it's not the child in charge anymore it's the parent yeah and you lose a bit of that Mm -hmm. responsibility division exactly and one of the biggest components of a good feeding relationship between a child and the parent is trust Mm -hmm. there needs to be a mutual trust and respect at the meal that it that says, you know, if you have a child who does have trouble eating, they need to be comfortable that they're not going to be made to finish or eat anything that they don't want to. Mm -hmm. There are some real feeding challenges that I see all the time in in practice where children are just so anxious at the table. They're so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Certain foods are so off-putting to them for whatever sort of sensory um, or visual perception they have. And so to be made to eat something by the person that you love most in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like your, your mom or your dad or your grandmother or whoever is your primary caregiver um, can just really throw a monkey wrench in that relationship that yeah. you have. Yeah, and I think another big aspect of this and why it's not recommended to kind of make your child finish their plate is you're you could be telling your child to ignore their fullness cues mm-hmm. by saying, if they tell you they're full and you say, well, finish your plate anyway, you have to finish all the food on your plate. Mm-hmm. They, after a certain amount of time, they might just lose the ability to read their fullness cues. Mm-hmm. And that can be, that can affect someone all the way into adulthood. Yeah. Where they just lose the ability to be able to tell when they're full or yeah. when they're hungry. Definitely. I've worked with a lot of adults who say that to me. Mm-hmm. They're like, I feel so out of touch with my hunger and fullness cues. Yeah. I don't know when to stop. Yep. I don't know what a portion is supposed to look like. Yeah. And I wonder if that stems back to the way that they related to food in childhood based on the way that they were fed Yeah. as kids. So that's another really important aspect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then something we talked about when we talked about our healthy relationship with food is not commenting on the amount of food that somebody eats, especially a child. Yeah. And that just kind of obviously is pretty obvious on how that falls into this. Like, yeah. if you're telling someone, you know, you didn't eat enough, finish your plate or like Mm -hmm. whatever, Mm -hmm. that can also just be negative. Right. Yeah. And I think it goes back to, you know, parents thinking that they know how much food their child needs. Mm Mm-hmm. And 
you know, there are days in my two and a half year old's life where she eats like adult sized meals mm-hmm. three times a day and she's so hungry and she can't get enough. Yeah. And then the very next day she picks and she's not that hungry and mm-hmm. you know, she'll, she eats two bites and pushes away and says done. Yeah. Um, kids are very variable in their intake. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they eat a lot, especially if they're going through a growth spurt. Yeah. And then it kind of tapers off and they're not as hungry. Mm-hmm. And it depends too on activity level. You yep. know, they're, they're hungrier on days where they're more active, so to speak. But also, I mean, some kids are really affected, right, like by the heat too. If mm-hmm. they are really hot, their appetite plummets and they're just like, I'm just not hungry. Yeah. But then they make up for it in the coming days. And so the issue with the Queen Plate Club is that it's telling your child that you know their body better than they do. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything you've learned about listening to this podcast so far, it's that I really believe in child's autonomy over their body, mm-hmm. right? Like we talked about baby led weaning and how we start letting babies self-regulate from that very, you know, that very early stage in their life. We had, mm-hmm. I think episode three is our promoting healthy food and body relationships yep. And, you know, just really letting your child be in charge of their own body. Yeah. Um, so we don't want to make children clean their plate. Some parents are concerned about food waste. And that's mm-hmm. a really valid concern. Yeah. You know, um, we don't want to be throwing away food. And a workaround there is let your child serve their own foods onto their plate. If you are concerned that your child only takes a few bites of what's on their plate, well, maybe the portion is too big for Mm -hmm. them. Because again, you might be serving their plate based on what you think they need, Mm -hmm. but they have a better idea of how much food they actually need. Mm -hmm. They they might not be able to eat a whole half cup of broccoli. Maybe they can eat two tablespoons. Yeah. So letting them serve. And that's actually, letting kids serve their own meals is actually a really great tip for lots of different reasons. It mm-hmm. can help with food exposures if your child is more picky. It can help them just with like motor skills, right? Like having yeah. to use the serving spoon and do it. It can help them feel involved at the family meal. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of benefits to doing it that way. I think a lot of families and parents serve their serve the meal right from the stove um, because it's just easier and it's less dishes. Usually you don't have to like put things in serving dishes and yeah. carry it over to the table. Yeah. So a lot of parents are serving from the stove. They put the plate in front of the child and say like, here's dinner. But there are so many benefits to letting the child serve themselves. Mm-hmm. So if you can do that, that's a great option. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk for a minute about commenting on how much food your child eats. Yeah. Even when it's like, wow, you ate all that? Great Mm -hmm. job. I've had family members and friends, like family friends, say this to my daughter, and I cringe every time someone says that to her. And I know it's coming from a good place because she Mm -hmm. is a really great eater. And I think it's partially luck, but it's also a big part of the way that I have fed her since she was six months old. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things that I preach about, I also practice. Yeah. Um, So, you know, people will say to her, you ate all that? Wow, good job. 
and I, I cringe because what that could be doing, and I'm not saying it definitely is because she might not have the wherewithal to like think about Pick it in this sort and, of complex yeah. way, but what it could be doing is just setting her up for this complex of like, oh, I get praised when I eat, eat everything more. on my plate yeah. or when I eat more or when I do good. And it's like kids inherently want to please their parents and they want to please adults. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't want her to feel like she's ever wrong if she doesn't like something and doesn't want to finish it. Right. So it can just, like, can we just not comment on food mm -hmm. or bodies at all like go listen to episode number three for more thoughts on this yeah that right? was a, that was a loaded one mm -hmm. about all of this about all of that and also so say you do have a child who eats everything and they just naturally eat everything on their plate I'm mm -hmm. like that I think I always kind of have been like mm -hmm. I finish my meals I love eating I love food and I just I eat everything I think yeah. there's been like one time in the past year where I didn't finish my broccoli because it was like frozen and it was overcooked and it was awful. Yeah, that sounds rough. <laughs> um, but so say you do have a child who naturally just sort of eats everything and then your other child is the exact opposite and they mm -hmm. have a really hard time eating. Well, if you're praising child number one for of what a good how job. how well they're eating and how much they're eating. Exactly. It makes child number two feel inadequate. Mm -hmm. Like, well... I'm never going to live up to that expectation, so why even try? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I have I have adults that I work with now who have ARFID, right? Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder, or, you know, extreme picky eating, like falling into that, um, that ballpark. And they'll say to me, I would rather not eat at all than take a bite and have to spit it out. Yeah. Because it, it looks bad and I don't want to make anyone feel like I don't like their food. It's mm -hmm. it's not that. It's it's me. Like I, yeah. I have a really hard time with food. And so by commenting on the person doing a really awesome job, it can just make that other person feel so much worse. Yeah. And when we're doing when we're doing it with adults, it's like, yeah, okay, like you can kind of suck it up. But with kids, yeah. I mean, they're in their formative years, they're like forming their self-esteem, they're, you know, figuring out yeah. who they are in this world, and we don't want to just make them feel bad. So let's talk a bit about pressure. Yeah. This conversation about the Clean Plate Club lends itself really nicely to the conversation about pressure. So pressure, and I think a lot of parents know this by now, like a lot of parents that I work with when their child has a feeding issue know not to pressure their kid to eat, you mm -hmm. know? But what, what does that actually mean? So pressuring your child to eat is saying things to them like, take a bite, take a bite, please just try it. I know you're gonna like it. Mm -hmm. You can't have this food until you finish this food. Look, um, so-and-so is eating it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We know that pressure decreases appetite. Mm -hmm. So, if your child struggles to eat already and their appetite isn't the greatest to begin with, they're not that interested in food and you're putting that pressure on them to eat, 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 mm -hmm. it can turn appetite off. There, I have had a few clients where pressuring their child actually works a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't wanna say that pressure is 
always a bad thing. It really depends on your kid. Right. But more often than not, pressure doesn't help kids eat. Yeah. And parents who are in this boat with kids who struggle to eat, they've learned that the hard way. Like, the more that they push, the more their child resists. Yeah. And eating is actually worse. Yeah. So... Pressure might be the form of you must clean your plate before you can get up from the table. Mm -hmm. I don't think many families are doing that anymore, but there could be people out there doing it. It, So it could be as extreme as that, or it could just be sort of, um, please take a bite, please take a bite. Yeah. And if your child's not ready for it, it's only going to cause a fight and a battle. Yeah. So why might kids feel this pressure to eat? Well, it's usually coming from the parents. Mm Mm-hmm. It could be coming from older siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and parents who are pressuring their kids to eat, they have good intentions here. They want their child to get the nutrition. They want their right. child to expand their variety. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they want their child to be a good eater. But you really have to meet your kid where they're at. And yeah. if they're not ready to try that piece of broccoli, we need to come up with some more creative ways to get them more comfortable around the food. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about some of the possible kind of negative consequences that might come from kids feeling that pressure to eat, whether it's intentional or not. Let's talk about a couple different reasons why it's really important to not pressure because there are these consequences that could possibly happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the biggest one is that mealtimes become negative. Mm-hmm. We want the dinner table, we want food to remain positive. And, yep. if, and if they just feel like they can't please anyone and it, it ends up in tears and a fight, which I hear about all the time, mm-hmm. you know, parents will say to me, like, we try and try and try to get him to eat and then he ends up crying and then we end up crying yeah. and everyone's unhappy. It's a disaster. Yeah. That is just not, it's not doing anyone any favors. Yeah. Um, So your child might be less willing to come to the table at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I had one child I worked with who would only eat in his bedroom. He wouldn't even come to the table. Yeah. Yep. Um, We talked about how it turns off appetite. So if you're trying, you know, to stimulate your child's appetite and have them excited for food, but then you pressure them, it's going to shut that right down. Yeah. Um, And then again, this can lead to issues with just not understanding their hunger and their fullness cues if you're Mm -hmm. pressuring them to eat. We really want kids to be in tune with their own bodies. Yeah. So if you are someone listening who requires your child to finish their plate before they can get up from the table, I urge you to reevaluate that based on this episode. If you are pressuring your child by saying like take a bite and it works and they do take a bite and then they're like oh wait this is really good then keep doing it Mm -hmm. it's not you know it's not the end of the world it doesn't always come out with these negative effects exactly exactly and I have heard some families who will say to me it actually works if I say like just try it you're gonna like it they'll do it Mm -hmm. and then they do like it and they end up eating it that happens more rarely but it does happen yeah and those are the kids who are not as cautious yeah um but if you have a child who responds really negatively to pressure and you try saying take a bite take a bite you have to try it whatever Mm -hmm. and it's just ending up in tears and fights it's not worth it so just reevaluate the way that you're approaching the pressure Mm -hmm. and pressure can even come off sometimes as like 
oh, you took a bite. Great job. Even that can be pressure. Yeah. Because what that does to your child is it says like, oh, now they're praising me. Now they'll only praise me if I do it again and I really don't want to. Yeah. So just like don't say anything. Yeah. Cool as a cucumber. Be very matter of fact. This is dinner. Here we go. Let's talk about our vacation. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the weather. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's talk about anything else. Yeah. Um, one of the questions I get really frequently when it comes to pressure and kids having trouble at the table is, okay, well, how long can they sit there before they are dismissed? Yeah. I've had some kids sit there for three hours. Yeah, I remember. And, and eat like two bites of mm-hmm. a chicken nugget and then the parents finally give up. Yeah. Meals and snacks should happen on a schedule no matter how much the child eats at that particular meal or snack. Mm -hmm. So for meals, I say 30 minutes. You have 30 minutes to eat. If you haven't eaten in that time, like the meal's over, get down, go play, clean Mm -hmm. the kitchen, done. Many parents ask me, do I need to serve those foods again? Like if they don't eat their dinner, do I put it in the fridge and give it back to them for like snack or their next meal? Yeah. No. If they didn't eat that meal, there's a good reason why they probably didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually like the dinner time meal that they didn't eat because maybe they're just not comfortable with those foods. They're not ready for those mm-hmm. foods. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you want to offer that food again and you feel like they're going to eat it and you know the reason they didn't eat was that they truly weren't hungry because mm-hmm. they had a snack too close to the meal or whatever – fine offer it but it's not an automatic oh you need to eat this food that we made for you earlier yeah no um so it really is individual but in general no you don't offer that same plate again Mm -hmm. um and like i said before just if you're worried about food waste give really small portions let them serve themselves and if they want more of something they can get it yeah it's always better to let them ask for more and give them more than mm-hmm. put a, b- a bunch in front of them because we know that can also be overwhelming for sure for kids and having a big portion in front of them yeah. might be a little daunting and they get nervous and they're like oh, I can never eat I'll never be able to eat all that like exactly and that's that could also be a form of pressure for them to see a big plate of food in front of them and have them be like oh my gosh what yep. like that's crazy that's never gonna happen right and then they feel like well I know I can't eat all this so why even bother exactly so then they don't even try Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so better to go with smaller portions and have them ask for more and give them that Mm -hmm. second that second portion or another spoonful of whatever a couple more pieces of Mm -hmm. whatever um but yeah because they know they do know their bodies pretty well Mm -hmm. and if they're still hungry for more chicken then give them a little more chicken exactly yeah Yep. Um, oh, and I could do a whole other episode on asking for more and like yeah. how much is too much and, you know, right. what do we allow more of? That'll be that'll be down the line and we'll mm-hmm. talk about that. Absolutely. Great. So that wraps it up for our clean plate and pressure on kids, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, this week's Jen is This Healthy is Skinny Pop. Skinny Pop popcorn. Yeah. Why Skinny Pop in particular? I don't know. I mean... Uh, personally, I really like Skinny Pop. Mm. Um, I don't know. I always, I've always thought that it tastes like it has a ton of like butter on it, but it doesn't have butter at all. And oh, really? Yeah, I've looked at the label and it has oil, mm. but not like butter specifically. Got ya. So 
I don't know. Yeah. I've always liked it, and I feel like I've always thought to myself, like, oh, Skinny Pop is better than, like, microwaved popcorn that, like, mm. comes in the bag, and you know it's got, like, a lot... It's higher on, like, saturated fats. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be really heavy with um, sodium content, too, mm. those microwavable popcorns. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. When I, was so in, yeah. like, when I was in, like, middle and high school, I was such a microwave popcorn person. Mm-hmm. Like, every day after school. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely went through my phase very beginning of last year when I first got to college and like everyone was making microwave popcorn in their dorm room like the whole dorm smelled like popcorn it was kind of gross actually (laughs) but um yeah so that's where skinny pop comes from okay skinny pop popcorn it's totally fine it's popcorn oh you have the label yeah I have the label awesome thank you yeah I mean it's popcorn it's completely fine it's got fiber because it's popcorn that's a whole grain it's not I mean it's a snack food and I yeah pe- I think people know absolutely, that absolutely yeah um my only issue with skinny pop popcorn is the name I know the I'm, name it it rubs me the wrong way it rubs me the wrong way yeah. I I wish that it was just called like pop popcorn <laughs> yeah right something like that yeah um I don't like when products have just like bought into the diet industry yeah I you know agree. they're attracting a certain demographic here and I'm sure mm-hmm. their sales are awesome because it's like oh skinny pop yeah. but the reality is is that any popcorn with without a ton of butter on it is going to be a pretty like low energy food yeah and you can eat a lot of it yeah like, like a lot of volume exactly yeah and it's like you know it's it's just lower in calories for more volume yeah exactly technically right um so yeah there's nothing wrong with it it's popcorn it's great i love popcorn i wish it didn't have the name um and actually when i've done meal planning for some of my clients that have eating disorders i want to include some kind of a popcorn snack but like i'll avoid this because i don't want to send the wrong message yeah exactly so so change your name skinny pop but um (laughs) But otherwise, it's fine, and it's, yeah. and we love popcorn. Cool. Woo. All right. Okay. Have a good week. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mom, What's for Dinner? If you like what you hear, please be sure to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you need recipe inspiration or want to find out more about how to feed your kids, head on over to jenvalandrenutrition.com and check out the videos, blog, and shop tabs. We'll see you soon for another episode.